welcome to another episode of the Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, what was new and different was that Rice went to a bowl game for the first time since 2014. What was not new and different, at least in terms of this team, was that uh, it basically went the same as uh, like 80% of Rice's games went this season. (laughs) There were uh, some wonderful shining moments that made you feel incredibly confident. And then um, outside of that, it was just one uh, slowly demoralizing bit after another. Anytime the... uh, Anytime the other team's star player sets an all-time bowl record, you usually know it's not a uh, not a great night out. Yeah, when your head coach after the game uses the phrase "the Frank Gore show," you know it's been a a long a long night. And to to add on to kind of how you kind of opened this up and setting the stage, the worst part about this team is that they give you hope. Yeah, <laughs> they had to go back and take the lead on a like AJ Paget, you know, brute force third quarter heroic whatever that was incredible, and then it all went downhill. Like they couldn't have just you know let us you know get rid of the hope. No, we had to hold it all the way till about like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was like they were down seventeen to three, and I was like. Okay, well, didn't think they were going to own this one anyway, and that's fine. And then uh, it was like Tui found the touchdown plays binder at halftime, and it was like, okay, okay, we got this? We doing this? And then, uh, I don't know, that binder disappeared again, I guess. Someone tossed it in the trash can, uh, because outside of that brief, shining, glorious period in the third quarter, things were uh, not great. And and for the record, that brief, shining, glorious moment in the third quarter, A.J. Patchett in that section, uh, he was uh, 9 for 10 for 154 yards and three touchdowns. Which That'll is do just it. like, have a non-sarcastic question. Have we seen a Rice quarterback do that this year? I mean, not in that concentrated of a of a of a section. Like TJ had great games, but nothing. I mean, it was. I feel like I need to look at the drive chart for this. Like it was touchdown, fumble, touchdown, uh, five plays, seventeen yards, punt for USM, uh, five plays, eighty-eight yards, touchdown. Like to go from. 17 to 3 to 24 to 17 in the span of about uh five like half a quarter um it was briefly looking like if any of you watched that uh the Oregon Oregon State game uh over the the late fourth quarter for Oregon State there where they just blitzed things back all at once but then uh yeah it didn't uh it didn't last from there so yeah I mean, and it was so I I think we got to take the game in waves. And the first wave would be the first half where it just looked like Rice did not know what was going on um, on offense. The offense 
I mean, frankly, they were very lucky to salvage a field goal in the first half. But they kind of took that kind of, I thought, in that series where they got the field goal, they basically had three, not basically, they did have three 20-yard plays in a row where they basically just said, who are the fastest guys on our roster? Let's run them across the field and make them tackle them. And they couldn't. <laughs> and then that, that's basically how they opened things up and got things going in the second half. But I thought for the most part, the, the defensive performance was pretty encouraging in the first half. They had the big yard or the big 64 yard touchdown run by Frank Gore. But other than that, there was one other, I think it was a 55 yard completion. Those two plays that they got bit for were it. They were in the backfield. They were harassing Trey Lowe. They were stopping the run. They did just about everything to make sure the game was still competitive at halftime. And the first half defensive performance was even giving up 17 points. Was probably as good as we've seen or not maybe better than we had in quite I mean, like, it was certainly a, like, a serviceable performance. Like, we haven't seen, the bar has not been set this this high for this team on defense this year. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, they they got plenty of stops. Um, and, you know, it was to the point where, like, I had to, like, pop in and out at times during the second half, like, after Rice went back down again. Like, when I initially saw that, Frank Gore Jr. had gotten the 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 rushing record. I was like, wait, what? Like, he's had that big of a day? Like, because it didn't. Because I think I was thinking defensively mostly in terms of the first half, when you know he had had some big plays, but it hadn't been. You know, when you think of a guy dropping three hundred plus rushing yards on you, you think of I don't know the the game I always think of is like Darren McFadden against LSU in two thousand seven. Which is, I don't know why. Yeah, uh, that was that. The what what was like double, triple overtime. But you know, you just think of a guy like getting the ball, or like uh, I don't know, like Mark Ingram against South Carolina in two thousand. A guy just getting the ball and just marching the team down the field, or just ripping off big run after big run, like a like Derrick Henry against the Texans or something like that. You know. Sorry for those of you that are Rice and Texans fans. Although, if you're a Texans fan, like you've uh, you've experienced enough pain at this point, so I don't I don't think I'm, I'm rubbing too much salt in any fresh wounds here. But it just didn't feel like like normally when your team gets 300 rushing yards put up on you, you feel that every bit of it. I feel like, and when he first got there, I was like, wait, what, really? But then I started to think back on what had been going on to that point in the second half, and I was like. Okay, yeah, it's it it did get to that point, but it usually to get to that point, it has to feel like a you're getting stomped right from the start, and it didn't feel that way in the first half, half plus, I guess. I think the moment for me where it really sunk in, and and part of it, what made this evaluating this defensive performance so hard was because. They mixed in. It was the most boom bust kind yeah. of performance we've seen from them because you'd have 
you know, Josh Piercy break through and just clobber the quarterback for a sack. You've had Akina come through the, the edge, strip sack, force fumble. They f- forced two fumbles from the quarterback in the pocket just with their pressure. They had and they seven alternate... TFLs in this game. Yeah. You know how many TFLs they had against North Texas? The game previous? Zero. They had zero TFLs <laughs> against North Texas. So them having seven in this game, but that and that's what made it so. Which is, and by yeah. the way, seven is the same number that uh, Southern Miss, which the whole game was getting, you know, talked up for how great their defensive line, how disruptive they are. They now, granted, way more of those were sacks. They had five sacks to Rice's two, but Southern Miss had seven TFLs. Rice had seven TFLs. Like I thought, there was a lot of talk in this game. I. Uh, I got to the point of being the, like, angry fan who's like, they're not being fair to us because they were talking about how great Southern Miss's defensive line was and how how bad Rice is it or how many, like, the relative lack of disruptive plays Rice's defensive front had. But, like, they had the same number of TFLs in this game. Yeah, obviously, I mean, I was there and I did not hear the TV broadcast, but that surprises me because I don't know how you could come away with I think you could say the Rice front was not consistent. They gave up a lot of big plays, but I don't think you could say they were not effective. But yeah, it was so the the sequence was it was the I guess the last play of the third quarter where Rice had third and sixteen, and Frank Gore oh, converted God. with a nineteen yard run. Because how many how many po- times did we watch this team this year? Like. If there is a single play that is a microcosm of this season for this team, it's that one, right? Like, how many times did we watch them get a team to, like, third and 15 and then just give up the easiest possible, like, like but, a shallow cross? on the ground. Yeah, like a shallow crosser and just be like, why is there nobody within 15 yards? Like, I get that you're playing off and playing to the sticks here, but, like, they threw a seven-yard crosser, and nobody's in ten yards of the ball here. Yes, and that—that that exactly. Yes, more microcosms of the season. It was twenty-four all at that point. Like it, you know, Southern Miss had Rice had taken the lead. Southern Miss had gotten one back, and and Frank Gore had kind of started rolling, and it kind of got to that point where Rice had a sequence right in there where right before that, actually, where they could have settled for a field goal, but they went for it, uh, did not get it. I thought, I, I love the play call. I love the throw. I thought it was everything was done just right. Uh, a defensive back just made a really good play over the back. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sucks, but whatever. But part of the decision-making, I would imagine that went beyond that, is because Frank Gore kind of started going. And so when he converted that third and 16, then they go ahead and they take that 31 to 24 lead. That drive started at the two yard line. It was a 98 yard drive. That was kind of the point where it kind of felt like things were starting to go south because somehow at the same moment that Gore started heating up and the rice defense started not getting as many of those plays that they'd had, I guess really into the first half and through the third quarter, simultaneously, you have the Rice offensive line all turn into pumpkins at the same time. That's not entirely fair, but the 
it just it it stopped working and at that yeah. point it just it was wild cuz i don't did they have i i'd have to go look at the splits i'm sure they had maybe one sack in the first half yeah and at Let's one see, point yeah, it felt one like sack, one sack in the first half they had four sacks in the fourth quarter yeah it um it it felt like at one point, and I, I don't mean to make this whole show a parade of me making references to old college football games, but if anyone remembers the 2013 Alabama LSU game where Alabama was up, went up, finally went up big at the end, and then it just turned into this parade of sacks on Zach Mettenberger at the very end. It 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 felt like that for for poor AJ Paget in in the Rice in the had a court. sequence. Rice had a sequence where in five consecutive or in five dropbacks, Paget was sacked three times. Yeah. Which is like bonkers bad. <laughs> like I don't know how else to quantify it, but in and they, they moved a couple guys in and out, and I'm not sure what was going up up front, but it it, it broke and it it did not get fixed and Honestly, and and Bloom made the point after the game that, and well, first Cam Montgomery did go out in this game. He got hurt and he was unable to return. I think that's part of the reason we saw a little bit more Quentin Jackson down the stretch. Which shout out to him, he looked really, really yeah. Good. I mean, he's like five foot seven, maybe officially. So maybe that's why he has not quite gotten it's, an opportunity uh, yet. But he's. He's uh, Cam Montgomery took the uh, the super mushroom from Mario. Just uh, just you know, just a little bit bigger. Yeah, just. <laughs> I mean, it, that catch he had on the sideline was just incredible. But so, but back to what uh, where I was. The Bloomgren mentioned there was some protection issues. It was not just the offensive line. Jack Bradley left this game after the catch not catch fumble so he was out so they're down their top tight end they were down their uh, most trusted pass blocking back in cam montgomery and i don't know how much that played into it i think bloomgren thinks it probably had something to do with it but either way it got to the point where in the fourth quarter it just felt like man if you can protect aj he he can give him a chance because when he had protection in the third quarter i mean some of those throws he was making, he had a the throw that he had on the second touchdown to Isaiah Asdale. He stepped up into pressure and got clobbered and just delivered it point blank for the touchdown. Yeah, I, I the, the quarterback play when he had protection, like was phenomenal. It was really, really good. I, I'm glad you kept talking there for a second because I had to. Um, uh, we, we try to keep it PG on the show, and I, I, the phrase, <laughs> the phrase that came to my mind was the kid can effing sling it because he can. Like, like he has made throws that I'm not sure we've seen a Rice quarterback make. Like, it just, and you know, if you're looking for a point of optimism from this game, like, I don't know. I, I guess you'd. Going into next year, we'll 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 dip a bit into who's the quarterback for this team in the future. But like, um, uh, you assume TJ has the inside track, but like, man, 
AJ Paget looked like the like I mean because he's he's big and he's fast and that is a serious freaking arm that he has on him like that. Um, I'm not sure Rice has seen a quarterback with these kind of physical tools in since Mike Collins. Yeah, and I don't think Collins was as as quick as as AJ is. Like same size, big arm as well, but like um and Mike could run, but like I'm not sure he had the kind of wheels that AJ does, but that's probably fair. Yeah. Like just in terms of sheer like they've had faster guys. Um certainly Chase Clement, if you go all the way back to 2008, had the the combination of ability, but he was not this kind of sheer physical talent. Like I was really impressed and, you know, who knows if he ever, cause certainly there are like, he's a freshman and there are deficiencies and we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But like, just in terms of the raw potential, like watching this kid play as a true freshman, it, it was, it was, there was a serious wow factor for me, for, especially like, and it was there in the North Texas game, and it very much carried over to this one. Well, and it it almost felt like an offense that had just been flatlined had more energy, and I feel like that's like the stereotypical like you know the the backup quarterback comes in and like everything's better, kumbaya. But like, I mean, we we saw that with Shoki. Etrish and the offense didn't magically get better. And I, I yeah. mean, that's the reason that he wasn't playing at the end of the season and, and AJ was, but just to see the, the, you know, the, uh, just the kind of swagger, <laughs> if you can say that, that, uh, that he brought uh, was, was exciting. And then, I mean, just looking back against Western Kentucky and UTSA, uh, Rice put up 10 points and then seven points. North Texas, 17, Southern Miss, 24. And that was kind of more geared towards, and both of those games, the offense was kind of in the flow of the game where it wasn't, oh, they put up 24 points, but, you know, <laughs> you needed to get to 40. Like, that's not kind of what, that's not how this game felt, even though you needed 40, apparently, to win this game. But, you know, I, I was kind of happy with how that kind of situation evolved. And, and man, I, I've i kind of gone back and forth because about halfway through the season, I mean, really, honestly, going into the Charlotte game, the Charlotte game is going to become the tipping point for everything, right? I kind of yeah. felt like like TJ had kind of solidified himself as like, okay, he's the guy. And even coming back, playing the UTEP game, I kind of felt pretty good about it. But watching AJ through two weeks, did he throw an interception into his two starts? I don't believe he did. Not that I remember. Yeah. And, well, and he still... Uh, it's it's crazy to feel like um should there maybe be a quarterback controversy going into next season and not for any reason of like TJ didn't do anything to lose this job other than get hurt but like Padgett looks incredible like 
again, he's a freshman. Like, he's probably not a better player than TJ, like, right now. But, and again, like, the, my favorite phrase in preaching, preaching patience for, for quarterbacks is, for quarterbacks especially, is that development is not linear. Just because he looks really good now doesn't mean he's going to be, like, the best group of five quarterback in a year and a half or something like that. Like, it doesn't work that way. But the kid looks really good. And at some point, you kind of ask yourself, like, should a guy that was that is this talented with this kind of performance as a freshman, like, should he be the guy next year? Um, I guess it's convenient that you have a whole offseason of practice to answer that question because – it was an impressive couple of weeks for him, even if neither of those games resulted in wins. Yeah, he was not the problem. Not, not even, I don't, you can't come up with any kind of scenario where like, and, and after the game, you know, I was talking with him and he said all the right things, you know, like if I would have played better, we would have won. And like, yeah, if you could have found another couple touchdowns and pulled them out of your hat, that would have been helpful. Yeah. And I think there were, Especially early on, I feel like there were a couple throws that he he missed. That yeah, he there, had some were, there were opportunities where he oh shoot he had one where he had Isaiah Esdale on like a third down like open and just sailed it. But like every and there was another one where that. he went to he went to the sideline on a throw that I think Rosner ended up doing a really good job and drawing a pass interference flag by kind of just reaching up and over the defensive back. He had a guy wide open in the middle on that play too. So there were there he, it was not a perfect performance, but he did not turn the ball over. And Rice actually won the turnover battle in this game for the third time this season. And this was oddly enough the only time that Rice had won the turnover battle this year and did not win the game. <sighs> yeah. Go figure. So it it, it I it was nice to see the offense not turn it over, A. B, it was nice to see the defense generate those big plays. Uh, but, you know, now on the on the fourth quarter piece, I don't... And even, just in a quick aside on the turnovers, like, even the yeah. one that they had, I was frustrated in the moment, but, like, I don't know, Jack Bradley caught that ball and then just got absolutely nailed like in the lower back and look as a person who's over 30 that I don't that, think he expected to catch it yeah well and he that went through that, two defensive backs hands to get to him like you watch a lot of brutal hits watching football but there were um there are a few that make me watch them outside of like you know just absolutely horrible targeting plays which I guess that's a good uh turn into the bad officiating of this game but um there are a few hits that maybe just like want to crumple over myself but looking at a guy getting hit in the lower back like that i was just like oh oh no ah uh. yeah that one hurt <laughs> it was it hurt in the i'm sure it hurt jack bradley and it kind of hurt in the flow of the game just a a missed opportunity there and then also around there. And this is, this is something that I think needs 
needs to be mentioned in the grand just picture of this game. And I'm not going to be one who is ever going to say, well, yeah, you got you, the, the ref screwed you that it's their fault that you lost, because I don't think that was the case here. I think it's hard to watch someone rush for 329 yards and blame anyone but yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's not what I'm saying. But I will say the officiating crew in this game was just clueless, man. Oh, it was <laughs> like, bad. That was literally was, that targeting play was literally the definition of targeting in like eight different ways. They, I, I just, they and there picked were, up a t- targeting foul, which was like okay, like I don't know how you get there, but you don't. And then there was a lot of like very there's chippy, and then there's like aggressive after the whistle getting in your facisms and I felt like going like through the first like two and a half quarters the refs just kind of passively sat by and let people hit each other after the whistle and I'm like I don't care who you call a foul on but you need to throw the flag on somebody because all you're doing right now is letting things escalate (laughs) so to pull back the curtain here a little bit as we record this it is 10 20 p.m central time on sunday night uh december the 18th uh we're recording this late because i had my dungeons and dragons game that i always have on sunday evenings and it's me and uh five other guys in that game collectively and uh my best friend from law school was in that game and he and i went to alabama law together and he watches alabama it's not like a big football fan uh none of the other guys in that group are regular football watchers but two of them had seen at least part of this game because it was just on because it's a bowl game and and people have the football on at this point and both of them commented on they were like yeah it just seemed like people were getting fights after every single play in that game it really seemed like those teams didn't like each other so uh (laughs) this was not like an idle observation this is something that people who do not watch rice or uh pay attention much to college football saw this game and were like yeah that seems really uh it seems like there was like a whole lot of unnecessary fighting in that yeah it was ridiculous i had uh southern miss fans and folks with southern miss media that said what <laughs> they're like that should have been on us or they didn't call that or things to that matter and when you have people that are rooting or covering the other team saying things like that usually you know things yeah. are pretty bad so there was that in there and then man there were four flags thrown for ineligible man downfield in this game which i'm trying to think if i've ever seen that thrown twice in a game ever and I bet you by the by the letter of the rule, all those guys were ineligible men downfield. But like, right, you don't. It's like it calling holding weird. every time an offensive lineman just like slightly has a fistful of jersey. Like one, that ain't the rule. And two, that's not how you're supposed to call it. Like. And it, it's just like you, you said at the beginning there, and I, I think this is a good point to make. We have all at times said after a football game we've we've sat there as fans of the losing team and said oh we didn't lose this game because of the bad officiating 
but that officiating was bad and I'm frustrated about it. And that's what we said. What we meant was if those bleep, 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 bleep holes had not called holding on us 47 times when they shouldn't have, we would have won that game. We've all been there, right? We say yeah. that we're not blaming it on the officials, but actually we're blaming it on them. And that's fine. We've all been there. When we say here that we're not blaming this loss on the poor officiating, we're not. Rice would not have won this game with a good crew. We are not alleging any bias on the part of the refs here. It was just bad. Like, yeah, I haven't like, watched a lot of football games where I've, you know, e you always want to throw things out about the refs when they're making one or two calls that seem crappy and you're ignoring the other 800 calls they made that were fine. But, like, it was awful. Like, this was just, like, a deeply incompetent crew for this game, at least. I, I, I like, again... I, I legitimately mean it when I say I do not think they are the reason Rice lost this game or, or even in the top five or ten reasons. But it was really bad. It made it painful to watch to the to the effect that they would just huddle for like three minutes on like second and four to determine whether or not that they were going to call X. And yeah, it was yeah. just like just the entire everything it was just so it really in in through the first half it really felt like it prevented both teams from ever getting to any semblance of a rhythm which you know maybe maybe that that went into played into rice's hands in the first half and kept them in a game that they might not have should have been in i don't know but yeah it was it just sucks man it sucks as a, a fan of college football who likes football for officials to just be so garbage at their jobs to the point where I can't enjoy the game I'm watching. I'm mad, I'm mad at how bad the officiating was, not because I feel cheated, but because I like football. And that made football harder yeah, for me to no, enjoy. It was just like, <laughs> it, was, it was amateur hour. Like I, I, I think you really put it well, because I noticed I had never noticed this as much with a football game before. How they just had to like get together and have like a long ass conference about every single thing. Like, why did you 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 couldn't figure? None of you knew what call you were supposed. To, like, why did you need fifteen seconds all standing there together to decide whether you were gonna like call this? Up? Just make the call on the field and let review sort it out. Uh, there were just so many moments where it seemed like nobody knew who was supposed to figure things out or something like that. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. I I didn't understand it. It made things impossible to follow. And I mean and, and the truth is again, in the fourth quarter, it was a one-score game and Rice had every opportunity to go win this football game. And they didn't. And I think that's kind of that's kind of where we land the plane on this game and this season. And when you look back, it's it's kind of bizarre because, you know, Rice gets to a bowl game, which is something they haven't done since 2014. That's really good. We really thumbs up approve of that. And yet they're five and eight. And that kind of feels like almost the perfect way to sum up this season. 
It is the correct record for this team to have. Right. Three games under 500. You you weren't a 500 team where a bad bounce is one way or another. You were clearly less than 500. You were, you know, below average. But you did enough things right. You had enough of those third quarters against Southern Miss that it felt like there was something there. And that's kind of how I feel about this team. Just I mean, the 2022 I mean, Rice season, football team. That's the season. That is, frankly, how I feel about the entire trajectory of this program under this coaching staff is that, oh boy, there have been some really great moments. Like the defense in 2019 and 2020. And the times when they kind of had everything together at the end of 2019 and when Collins was in charge of the offense in 2020 and TJ at times this year and a few other things here and there, but just all of those bright moments just drowned in a sea of like, what happened? So many moments where it was just like, why is this team so inconsistent and so scratchy in ways that it doesn't feel like they should be? And it, uh, like, it's weird that this season was so all over the place in both the trajectory of it as a whole and, like, within individual games, including, like, that's what's great, like, it's crazy to watch a, a single game like that where the team was so inconsistent, where it was just like so bright in this one sequence and then everything else went downhill. And for that, like, not to be weird, like, that should be weird that you had this one sequence of incredible competence and then everything else was meh and it was just this maddening inconsistency. But it wasn't. Because that's what this program has been for like four straight seasons. Yeah, there are a lot of good individual pieces. And they cannot figure out how to play in step. And that that's what it is. And and that's what makes it so. God, I mean, just. Freaking. Not not annoying, but frustrating because. Like it, I don't it, know how, how how I don't know how you feel like how you're supposed to feel any better about something magically f- getting figured out next season or going forward, but at the same time, you know, f- go back to like week five of this year, right, where none of us were surprised that it all clicked because we'd seen all the pieces, and and I just don't know how to feel, and that makes me upset. Yeah, it's it's so. It, Weird because it would be so much easier if this team had just been. And again, I'll bump the 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 rating for this podcast to PG thirteen. If this team had just been dog shit the last couple seasons, and you were just able to say like, "This team is bad. This coaching staff is bad. We need to flush things and move on for the AAC." But we've seen so many flashes, and there were so many times when you could just, like, exactly like you were saying, so many times when you could just be like, here it is. We have seen all these pieces separately, and here they all are, and they have all come together, and now is the time. Because we knew, we knew they could 
build a competent, like a good, like a great for this level defense under Brian Smith because we'd seen it. And we knew they were capable, like for so many years under this coaching staff, the, the problem was they can't get great quarterback play. Well, they've gotten it from multiple different quarterbacks this season. Um, so that's no longer a thing that they haven't done. They have had great play in the secondary at times. They've had great play from the front at times. Um, they've had great wide receivers. They've had great running backs. Uh, the one thing they haven't had is great O-line play really at any point, and that's supposed to be the specialty of uh, the head coach on this staff, so maybe that's the one thing we could point to as the thing that has been there. But basically... back on, on great running backs, by the way. Uh, okay, they've had, they've had running backs that could get the job done as part of this offense. I would, I would love a great running back. I think we've seen flashes of good running back to great running back play. But I was looking back. We've had uh, – I, I was pulling this somewhere in my notes. We've had one running back cross 600 yards in a season under this coaching staff yeah. going into this game. And it was Aston Walter. And he got to like – oh, what was it, like 850 or something like that. And we should have a thousand back every ever a yeah. thousand yard back every year in this system. I, I guess the way I w- would change that phrasing is, I think we've seen a level of play from the running backs themselves that if you had even consistently decent O line play, that you the running backs would look great. Like I think the the consistent problem for this rushing offense has been the offensive line rather than the running backs. Like, now the running backs have been great all the time, but they've been good enough that if the O-line play were were a full level above what it, what it has been, that we would not look as poorly on the running backs, I think. But yes. regardless, and then- we, we've seen all these pieces at different times. So it's it's, there's a part of, me as an ever optimistic fan that always wants to, that wants to be like, why can't it all come together? It should be able to all come together. And it just, it just doesn't like, it would be so much easier to set your emotional expectations as a fan if they were just bad, but they haven't been. And it's, 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 in, it's infuriating. Yeah. It's, it's painful I, on the like big picture. I think O-line is something that I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. That's what I, that's my wish list for this off season. I want to figure yep. that out, please. Uh, second thing is I want to feel, I want to figure out how I'm supposed to feel about this defense because we went from it being a unit that, man, you give them a lead in the fourth quarter. I, I feel like they can hold on to it. There just weren't any leads in the fourth quarter when they were really good. And yep. now there are, and now they're not holding them. And they're just getting rushed up the gut, <laughs> which is like, the, I thought the interior of the defensive line and the linebackers were supposed to be real, a strength of this team. And I'm not like bemoaning those individuals, but something in the scheme is not working if that's happening. That's how you lost the North Texas game and the, and the, the bowl game. Yep. You got beat. Up the interior, they out physical you, and that's something that's not supposed to happen. So that, and then I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. So I think AJ Paget, I I am going to be 
very mad, piping, piping hot mad. If he's not given a seat at the table this spring, I would be shocked if he's not. I think TJ should be there too, just to be fair to him. And I think they got to go get somebody. This is tra- transfer portal season. And I guess we'll, that'll plug the next time you hear from us. We'll be talking about Rice's signing class, which signing day is a couple days after the bowl game this, this week at the time of recording. So we'll talk about that. I think they need a quarterback just because just keep getting one until you find one, right? <laughs> like I think yeah. we have one, but also you've gone through at least three starters in every non-COVID season. So you need yeah, at if, least one more. <laughs> like I, if, you, if you'd assure me that Rice doesn't have to go beyond the two deep on the quarterback chart next season, then I'd, I'd say, eh, use that spot on somebody else. Cause I would, um, I would say regardless, I would say regardless. Yeah. Like cool, fine. as long as, as there's no, like it would be insane after the way Paget played for them not to be an open competition at quarterback this off season. Um, and I, I don't expect, I, I expect that to be the case, but like, if you assure me that they wouldn't. And, like, I don't think that's crazy, right? Most teams don't have to play their third quarterback in meaningful minutes in a in a given season. That usually doesn't happen. But for some reason, for this team, it keeps freaking happening. So, yeah, I, I would I would I would take another quarterback for depth purposes. Um, beyond that, I don't even know because they 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 have good players. It just seems like everything's not coming together. It's, it's cool. It's not like they have to go play much harder competition next. Oh, wait. Yeah, they're moving to mm-hmm. the American next next yeah. year. So, and uh, UTSA is still on the schedule. Yeah, and, and, and UAB talent. and a bunch, uh, SMU now, you know, teams that uh, uh, Tulane that, uh, you know, won the conference. Just now, and uh, yeah, so things are not getting easier from here. And, you know, we've been over this, like, it seems bad to enter the AAC as the program is now. If you change coaching staffs, you are guaranteeing that this upcoming season almost certainly would be even more of a reset. So um there's no easy answers here, and however you felt about this coaching staff going into this game, I don't think there's any reason why this should have changed your feelings on it. Like, if you were on the fence, I don't know that this, like, I don't know why this game would have made you, like, markedly more pessimistic if you already thought they needed to make a change. Uh, obviously, this didn't change that. If you are... Eh, 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 incredibly optimistic and and are assured that they're going to put it together then you saw enough flashes in this one so uh, this doesn't change things really to me uh i don't know why it would for anyone i i we've talked about before that we can kind of see all the all the aspects of this one it's a it's a muddy situation but All we can do is 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 wait for what's coming, I guess, <laughs> and and be here. <laughs> yeah, we can so. we can we can commit to that. We will be here. Yep. So Rice closes out the season five and eight. They make bowl game. Uh, they make history in a way that kind of feels 
disappointing, but also good. And yeah, we're going to be back <laughs> for next year. That's kind of here we are again. I, I, I got nothing. So, yeah, uh, we'll be back. <laughs> uh, that's what that was. Uh, you know, I don't think any of you are surprised after the way we felt and the way you have probably felt about this season that that's where we are, where we're just like, uh, yeah, that happened and we are where we are. So <laughs> as long as you want to keep sticking with us, we'll still be here. So we'll we'll talk about the haul that Rice pulls in and in, in signing day and the transfer portal and all that. Uh, Next time we're out, and uh, yeah, we'll see where things go from here. But uh, we wrap up one more football season, uh, another 13 games this time. I would say the first time we've gotten to 13 games, but technically we did. But well, wait, no, we didn't. Uh, this is the first time we've done 13 games, so I guess they did play 13. Oh, in yeah, with, with that game at Hawaii, but um. We made it through another slightly extended season's time. Uh, I wish we felt better for the fact that it was extended, but uh, it's been four seasons of the Roost podcast now, and um, we just uh, we're so glad that y'all are here listening to us and that we uh, get to keep doing this because for as crazy as the seasons tend to be and as disappointing as they've mostly been, we're uh, we're happy to do this, and we enjoy it a lot, and we're glad that we have the audience to do it for. So uh, we'll see you all again soon, and Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.